Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, yeah. Welcome and it's Bloom Party driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acker and Alton Toyota. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. Standing across from me is Action Jackson, and it is a program that once needs solicits your involvement via the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. Jeremy Rutherford will join us at 1045. Jackson, tell me about you. You are about to begin the process of spending the night with Lisa Ann for four straight nights in no more than five days. The countdown is on, and I would imagine that balances out your equilibrium after Missouri gets stomped by roll damn tide. Yeah, feeling, feeling good. You know, this time next week, we'll be in sunny Jamaica. And that means Randy Carricker and Kerry Davis will have to do a fourth hour. I just don't feel like it's right. Yeah. I but they do that. it, and they're happy to do it. At least they say they are, but they're just so pleasant. Wonderful people. Yeah. Wonderful people. Yeah, so they'll be they'll be filling in while we are down in Jamaica. But uh, that means this week is going to be full of, of, of hot takes from Bloom Party. Oh, really? Is that right? Well, takes... I don't know the heat, the temperature of them, but we'll certainly have some takes. Well, every day this week, uh, we've got a reminder that 101 ESPN's championship bash is happening this Sunday at Helen Fitzgerald. Join members of the 101 ESPN crew, Car Shield, Bud Light, and David Taylor Ellisville for the AFC NFC championship games. Enjoy tons of TVs to watch the games, food and drinks, music, and a bunch of giveaways throughout the day and more. The bash kicks off with a live pregame show broadcast at 11 a.m., we hope to see you this Sunday at Helen Fitzgerald's for Champ Bash, brought to you by Car Shield, Bud Light, and David Taylor Dodge Jeep Ram in Ellisville. There it is, and there you are. Jackson, uh, what was the story for you this weekend, whether it be personally, professionally, athletically? What is on your mind? This is essentially your forum. I'm just the guy that brings it in and out of breaks. That's what I consider myself. I'm a point man. Yeah. Uh, so personally and professionally, all good. Nothing really to report. Uh, watching athletics, of course, is something that I think uh, is ever changing. And uh, this weekend's NFL games, whereas the wild card weekend had some fun games, this weekend really had some stinkers. To Best be game, Jags Chiefs. So. But even then, I mean, you were just kind of, you know, if Mahomes was going to be injured to the extent of what the injury was, that was kind of more the focus. I always kind of felt the Chiefs had it. And then the Bills-Bengals game had an opportunity to be an incredible game. You got a snow game in Buffalo with those two quarterbacks going head-to-head, but Joe Burrow looked like the the more superior player in that well, situation. Well, a couple of things going on there. Uh, first off, boy, I didn't see that coming. Right. Holy moly. Uh, the domination by the Bengals' offensive line, considering that three of the five starters from the beginning of the year weren't in there, mm-hmm. something else. Yeah. The Buffalo defense had never been the same since Von Miller was hurt. Also, just something that was kind of odd is Josh Allen just wasn't good. You yeah, know, I considered not. the previous week against Miami an outlier, but 
he wasn't great down the stretch, and he was not good in the playoffs. That was eye-opening. Yeah, certainly. Stephon Diggs actually left the locker room before Sean McDermott addressed the team, and veteran running back Duke Johnson stopped him and had him come back in, but then he left before talking to reporters. Right. If you've seen the video, perhaps, of Diggs yelling at Allen on the sideline, it was just a mess. I am stunned by that outcome. Um took the Cowboys simply because of the formula. The formula didn't work out. The formula also doesn't account for when people get hurt, and it can yeah. work to your advantage. It can work against you. From my side, Jackson, while Dalton Schultz is somebody you can count on in the red zone and can be a kind of a bailout option for Dak Prescott, the Cowboys have two explosive playmakers, one C.D. Lamb, one's Tony Pollard. It's not Ezekiel Elliott anymore. And once Pollard was hurt in the second quarter, their chances to uh, be able to have an explosive play reduced by 50%. Uh, loved the play that they ran uh, down seven <laughs> with a few seconds left. Uh, it was fun. It was neat. It's unbelievable. And uh, Mike McCarthy, uh, despite that play, Jerry Jones said no reason to think he won't be back. I mean, but if there's one thing that we know, if Jerry Jones says it and Stan Kroenke says it, you can go, okay, I believe it. Yeah, they, those two have so much credibility. Uh, Dak Prescott was bad. He was not good. I think two picks, ton of underthrown balls, inaccurate passes, and left and right, it was just a bad, bad performance from both Josh Allen and Dak Prescott this weekend. And so now you have uh, dominating. I mean, what was the most dominating win? Would you say it was the Eagles? Because it was never like it was never in question. It was never from the like get go. You could tell that the Eagles were playing at a different level than the Giants. You have uh, the Eagles as a three, three and a half point favorite, depending on where Mm -hmm. you land right now, and the Chiefs won one and a half point favorite over the Bengals. so, uh, Jackson, your plays have been Eagles and Chiefs. You're still alive. Yeah, it was the chalk. I had the Bills and 49ers. It was the chalk. Hey, but, I mean, it's a chalk fest in these uh, the, the final four. Yeah, you big have time. the one and two, and you have the one and three. Yeah, def- and I think the Eagles— And you can't go wrong in the Super Bowl. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, you no matter what matchup, the matchup. No matter what. Yeah, no matter what the matchup is, it's going to be great. My thing is, like, the Eagles playing in Philly is such an advantage for them. I think that week off— Getting that bye was huge for guys to get healthy, especially guys like Jalen Hurts. And I think for the Chiefs, so much of it is going to be dependent on Patrick Mahomes' his ankle. I mean, you know, sometimes you get over it quick, sometimes it lingers. And he kind of already plays with kind of a limpy gait. He's always kind of one foot seems heavier than the other. But if he is, is injured and you got a team like Cincinnati coming in who's kind of red hot at this point, I don't know. That's a 50-50 ball. Well, when people talk about the Bengals, you talk about Burrow, Chase, Higgins, Mixon, Boyd. Right. And understandably so, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't. But the story is not just what they were able to do in those conditions yesterday, but it was the defense. Yeah. And what the defense has done. Now, I get shutting down Tyler Huntley and the Ravens the week before isn't going to make people go, oh, wow. But you shut that offense down yeah. in that building where they were 15-1 and one in the postseason going Crazy. into that game and shut them down that it was sweat-free. Yeah. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. And as far as what you got going on in the NFC, you have two teams that are firing. This is a hell of a matchup. Yeah, it's a hell of a matchup. The, the AFC one is contingent upon Mahomes' health. Yeah. Totally. So if that if he is not right, that really reduces. I mean, so many of their big plays are him scrambling 
than you usually find in Kelsey. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes it can be randoms, you know, and, and him utilizing that ability to be mobile. And if he doesn't have that, well, then it's Chad Henney season. But Chad Henney led a 98-yard drive. They just have a great off. They have a great offense. Andy Reid has put in an incredible system there. And they're, it's not like a plug-in guy, because like, obviously Patrick Mahomes is so crucial to that team. But because of the way they run that offense, they can survive with Adam Warriors. We saw with Philadelphia when Gardner Minshew went in. They're not the same without Jalen Hurts. And so Jalen Hurts getting that week off in between the divisional and the final game of the regular season was clearly huge because they were just dominating the Giants. Like, never did I feel like the Giants could ever make a comeback in that game. So you have the uh, Chiefs. They lose Tyreek Hill. They're back in the AFC Championship fifth straight year. Yeah. And the 49ers will take on the Eagles in Philadelphia. That'll be your first game. Second game on Sunday afternoon will be the Bengals at Arrowhead. No neutral site because the Bills didn't win. Had the Bills won, that game would have been played in Atlanta. Instead, now it's at Arrowhead. Jackson, you will be watching it with Lisa Ann yeah. in Jamaica. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't trade place with little piddles in four days? Yeah, a little boat drink action, a little AFC. No, what's your boat drink go-to? I would imagine you have a Mount Rushmore of boat drinks. Three one four three nine 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 six four six. Nothing refreshes you like a pina colada. Is that right? Oh yeah, that's a quality beverage right there. But it only works. Check your trust the... fund balance and have a pina colada. Yeah, like you can't drink it in the winter in, in St. Louis. It's just not the same. But when you're on the islands, man, you get that little pina colada action going. Ooh, and you're living the life of a hustler now. Look at you. Look Trying at you. To. You're all grown up, and you're all grown up. Sometimes you enjoy the f- the fruits of your labor, and this is an opportunity. Oh my gosh! Yeah. What a wonderful sentiment. I thought it was. Uh, coming up, we have the Little Piddles weekend wrap up. I think we have the Little Piddles weekend wheelbarrow of questions. Oh wow, fun! Uh, Jeremy Rutherford will join us coming up at ten forty-five. Your questions, comments for Jr. are welcome. I thought. You tell me if I'm wrong on this, and I'm going to act like I'm seriously thinking that there's a possibility you read his column yesterday. Is it fair to say that that would be something I should short? I did, actually. The column about the loss to the Blackhawks and what to do with the deadline. Wow. Yeah. I like you. I, I, re, I don't necessarily watch all the games. <laughs> I don't necessarily always watch the games, but I do really enjoy reading JR on The Athletic. Wow. I'm going to fold. I think you're being serious here. I really like the mailbags. Yeah, well. Anytime you get a mailbag. It's essentially the Colton Pareko mailbag. Yeah, big fan. But uh, the game on Saturday, well, and I'll tell you, Barbashev summed it up. He goes, yeah, we have these great wins. And then we play the low, like, oh, he was really direct. We play these low teams and we lose. Yeah. We've lost the Canadiens twice, got the Blackhawks thing. Just you got some momentum maybe after playing one of the best games of the year, and then you got a goaltender getting his first start, and he comes out there and the Blues do nothing and they lose that game. And I thought... And you can tell me what you think in the audience. That was about as direct as Jeremy Rutherford has been. That's just not his style. Sure. And I'm not saying the style is right or wrong. I'm just saying that was that was beyond what he usually does. And to summarize, for those of you who have not read his column and on The Athletic, and like I said, he'll be with us and we'll expound on it here in a half hour, saying this is this is who they are, this is what the situation is, and paraphrasing it would be irresponsible if the Blues are clearing out their lockers after the regular season or even after a first-round exit, and they're doing so with Ryan O'Reilly, with Barbashev, and assuming he would okay a trade, that's the one contingency with regards to Tarasenko, with Vladimir Tarasenko. It just would be irresponsible. So he's really taken a stand there, 
And I think a lot of people agree with him. We threw that topic out on Friday. Certainly there's some new information since then. You have a loss to a terrible team, although that terrible team in the Blackhawks has been winning lately. Uh, they're kind of going major league on the Blackhawks' plans for Connor Bedard. But uh, the, the the situation is such that I agree with Rutherford. It's just not, and it's so weird in St. Louis because the last three championships we've seen, the 19 Cup, the 11 World Series, the 06 World Series, all three have been teams going into the midpoint of the season that you didn't think there was a whole lot of likelihood that they would win world championships. And down the stretch for the two Cardinal World Championships, I don't think too many people were bullish on them actually winning the World Series. So these are words you can eat. But we've seen what it takes to win a cup around here now that it's happened. And this team just does not have that. And so from that standpoint, it stands to reason that moves are going to be made. And I think that's the right thing. So I share JR's opinion. But for him to lay it out there uh, in the manner that he did, I would recommend reading that column or sticking around to hear what he has to say coming up at 1045. This time in St. Louis, it is 1013. This time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. I'm Tim McKernan. That's Action Jackson. We come back. It's the Little Piddles. Weekend wheelbarrow of questions. Wow, it's next here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganast, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Balloon Party, driven by Munganast, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you for one hour of midday radio magic. That's what the critics say. Yep. You're absolutely right, Tim. It is magical. Jeremy Rutherford, 1045, and uh, an update on the Cardinal television broadcaster selection situation. I'm sure there was a better and more concise way to say that, but I still have eight credit hours left at the University of Missouri Journalism School, and in those final credit hours, they're going to focus on yeah. being more brief. Jackson, you have the little piddles. Weekend wheelbarrow of questions, Tim. Okay. Uh, I'll start it off. All right. Let's start unloading this wheelbarrow. Nice. <laughs> if you're going to be looking at just the way the fans will react, how do you think the Blues fans will react if the Blues do move Vladdy and Ryan O'Reilly at the deadline? How do you think fans react if they don't? Well, I think it's a wonderful question. The real response I have is, where will the Blues be in the Central in the wild card race when those moves are made? Sure. If they are 10 points back of playoff spots, people will be like, yeah, you got to do it, and it'll be fully celebrated. If they're kind of lurking in purgatory... I would imagine some will be irritated, but I think, and I could be wrong on this, the difference will be four years ago they won a Stanley Cup. And by the way, it doesn't seem like four years to me. Quick four years. Yeah. Four years ago they won the Stanley Cup. And so I think there is some equity that the organization and Doug Armstrong has, although I think that has decreased over the last few months because of this team and the roster makeup and people going, oh, God, there isn't a quick fix to this. And also people necessarily feeling like, oh, God, if it's not this year, will I ever see the Blues win a Stanley Cup? So I think there is more of an acceptance and perhaps urgency because the situation is such that they really need to make some changes. And it would be, I think, irresponsible to keep all three on the roster uh, on the off chance you can get into the playoffs. Even though, in fairness, there is not a 2022 Colorado Avalanche lurking, at least at the moment. That in the West, there, there certainly is in the East, you, the a couple of them, but yeah. 
But, uh, yeah, the Bruins are in their own world right now. So from that standpoint, I would imagine, based on what I think will happen by the time these moves are made, and Tarasenko's going to be out there soon, um, that that I think most people will be cool with it, emotionally somewhat sad, but always grateful for the work they did in bringing the first-ever Stanley Cup to St. Louis. Very good. All right, next question. Is this the year that Scott Rowland finally goes into the Hall of Fame? Mathematically, the answer to that is yes. Right. Um, so I would I would answer what is, I know you're probably looking for more than a yes or no answer, <laughs> but that's how the question was phrased. No, that's fair. That's fair. And, I, and I, I would be very surprised if he's not. I agree. I will tell you this, by the way, when he was playing for the Cardinals, I didn't think he was going to be in the Hall of Fame. Mm. And then when Edmonds didn't stick around for more than one year on the ballot, I go, well, then Roland ain't getting in. So he's going to get in. I just think Jim Edmonds should be in the Hall of Fame, too, right. especially when, for a guy who was only on the ballot. And I realize the circumstances surrounding that particular ballot. But Jim Edmonds is one of the greatest offensive center fielders in the history of the game. Yeah. And so from that standpoint, uh, I think all of the MV3 from the 2004 team should wind up in Cooperstown. And I actually think there's a chance that will wind up happening. It's just going to take a while for Edmonds. Right, yeah, I think they're both kind of similar with, like, incredible defensive stats and, like, good, good offensive stats. I just don't, I don't, I agree with you. I don't know why Roland gets, like, the bump over Edmonds in a sense. Like, people are like, oh, Roland's no doubt. Edmonds, I don't know. Like, Edmonds is so good defensively and his offensive numbers. I just, I think, I think it was the timing of when he popped up on the ballot. It was with a bunch of other outfielders. It was with Griffey. Griffey, It was also a year where there were a few names. I remember either talking with Derek Gould about it or texting with Derek Gould about it. And he said it was a, it was the perfect storm right. for... And then what winds up happening, though, it's kind of like when sometimes a company will terminate somebody for something that they tweeted or something like that. Sure. And then the public will go, well, so see, he got fired if it was a Supreme Court ruling. Right, it's not right. a legal precedent. Right, Just right. like the, the Edmonds not being on the ballot for a year is not a reflection of his career. You have to look at the circumstances surrounding that ballot. So from my standpoint, I do think Roland gets on, and I think he. I'm happy that he will be. Sure. And based on where the parameters have moved now for the Hall of Fame and seeing more of an appreciation for defense, he absolutely should. But along those lines, I think Edmonds should as well. There it is. Next question. Which team impressed you? The We kind of touched on this in the last segment, but I think it's a different kind of way of phrasing it. Which team impressed you the most in their victory over the divisional round this weekend? What team was the most impressive? It certainly wasn't the Chiefs. And the 49ers having some problems with the Cowboys was a little surprising. Yeah, they didn't look great last night. Especially considering the Pollard situation. Um, so it would be either the Bengals or the Eagles. And I think the Bengals were up against a much better team than the Eagles were. And they were doing it on the road. And they were doing it with a patchwork offensive line. And the thing that stands out to me is not that they were able to score the points that they scored with the patchwork offensive line, although that certainly would be second in the list. It would be that they kept that offense of the Buffalo Bills in check the way that they did. Yeah, secondary is great, man. So what they are doing defensively is something to really keep an eye on. And, and you know, that team is a team. They were pissed off with the way that the, the playoff situation broke down. Uh, but they were in an awkward spot because the DeMar Hamlin situation of which they were a part of was the reason for it. But I know that they were irritated by how that broke down. Um, they were irritated by the fact that the NFL was selling tickets for the 
game in Atlanta between right. the Chiefs and Bills should the Bills have beaten them, although the NFL selling tickets in advance is not necessarily... <laughs> Surprising to anybody. Right, but hey, you know, whatever you got to do to motivate. I mean, sure. like Kirby Smart had the Georgia Bulldogs convinced that they were, you know, Vanderbilt. <laughs> Bulletproof material. So whatever you got to do to motivate guys, hey, it works. God bless. Yeah, I, I, I would agree that, like, the Bengals were going up against much. I just, the Eagles, man, like, the way that they play is, I, you know, whoever slows them down, you got to, you got to, Stop. I so feel like many the Eagles weapons. don't get the appreciation for how good they are, and I, and I, I would look myself in the mirror on that. You've been on the Eagles all year. Yeah, it's just that I've been on the 49ers, right? Uh, 49ers and Bills, mm-hmm. and so that was really eye-opening to me to see what happened with the Bills. And I thought there was a gambling advantage on the Bills yesterday because people were going to focus on that Dolphins game, and the reason the Dolphins game was so close was because of fluky turnovers. Sure, but hey, the Bengals dominated that game big time big ties in like i said in the snow in buffalo very very impressive all right next question mizzou is in a shooting slump there's no ifs ands or buts about it i'll give you some stats real quick here tim in the last four games they're shooting 18 percent from three since the win against kentucky 23 percent from three wow yeah that is terrible for an offense that really relies on it more so than i think other teams because they're so the undersized. Of a, yeah. yeah so undersized is there anything Dennis gates can do to make them like get better looks, or do you think the law of averages will swing it back in the Tigers' favor and things will come to more sense of normalcy? Well, I don't want to give you bad news because uh, I know that you bleed black and gold yeah. a little more intensely than I do when it comes to the basketball team. I think I'm a little more intensely when it comes to the football team. Yep. What if what you are considering a progression would actually be the outlier. And this is more along the lines of who they are. And what we saw at the end of December was more of the outlier. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's very, I think that's, it could be a. I mean, what they did likely. against Illinois in particular. Yeah. That was, you're nice. just like, you, you could have put, you, that was a game where they could have beaten Alabama. Yes. 100%. Illinois would just happen to be the team on the floor that night. That was a team. And you're going to run into that every once in a while. Yeah. You saw how good Alabama was on Saturday. Yeah. And certainly Missouri didn't have Kobe Brown, so that's a big part of it. But they are just not hitting shots. And I'd like to think they'll go 4-1 and one over these next five. It's yeah. a relatively light portion of the schedule. Iowa State's about the only one who like, jumps out of that shot. Right. But uh, they're still on track to get to the NCAA tournament. And you know they're the kind of team with that kind of style that can sneak up and get a team in the NCAA tournament. Just get there and... I. I I really like what Mosley brought to the table on Saturday. That was exciting to see, um, and I'm anxious to see what he brings here going forward when they uh, play at Ole Miss. Yeah, couldn't agree more, Tim, and I think that uh, we'll see, hopefully, them shoot much better, but at the end of the day, they're getting good looks, so nothing really Dennis Gates can do. All right, final question. How much does Patrick Mahomes' ankle injury concern you ahead of their matchup with the Bengals? Oh, it's huge. Yeah. I think you, you, you can't overstate it. Right. The fact that he was able to get back out there in the second half after you saw the replay of the injury in the first half was stunning. I didn't expect that. Although, tip of the cap to Chad Henney for leading the Chiefs 98 yards for their touchdown against the Jaguars. But his mobility is so critical into so many of their pass plays. Uh, How many times have you seen him scramble around and then all of a sudden a guy has gotten wide open in the end zone? How many times have you seen him scramble around and there's Travis Kelsey? At the same time, for as good as Kelsey is, uh, his second touchdown was about a two-yard pass play on Saturday was wide open. I'm actually watching it literally as we speak. It's like I called for it. <laughs> the graphic Good morning, football. Yeah. Uh, so th- they have a, a scheme and an ability that is phenomenal. I'm really looking forward to watching those two teams 
play. But at the same time, I'm really looking forward to the Eagles and 49ers. Yeah, couldn't I'm, agree I'm more. surprised that the Bills are not there, but after watching the Bengals' domination of them, the Bills don't belong there. The Bengals do. And tip of the cap to Cincinnati. No matter what, if it's Kansas City and San Francisco, great Super Bowl. Yep. It's Kansas City and Philadelphia. That offense gets that defense plus with the 24-year-old Jalen Hurts. Yep. Uh, it's a great Super Bowl. If it's the Bengals against the Eagle defense, oh, Jalen Hurts. That'd be great. If it's the Bengals and the 49ers playing. So that would mean that the Bengals will have played in four Super Bowls, all four with teams from California, three of which will be against the 49ers, if my mis- memory would be correct. Yeah, that sounds right. the third time they will have played the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Jeez. Has there ever been a two franchises to play? Th- that had to have happened like in the 70s. It had to have happened. Yeah. I, 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 Cowboys-Steelers would be live to me. Yeah. Is this really going to be the third matchup? They played like an 80 or 81. They played an 89. Yeah. Montana, drive down the field. And then, uh, then this one. Yeah. Yeah, that's very fair. Uh, to me, like Patrick Mahomes is a guy that – it, it's not like the RPO kind of guy like Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields with his legs, but it's what you're talking about, that scrambling with behind the line of scrimmage to find that person. That is so key, and if you have that ankle injury where it's not going to affect him like, oh, their offense is going to be stifled because he can't run up the field. He doesn't really run up the field all that often, but his ability to scramble behind the line of scrimmage is unrivaled to anybody in the NFL. So if he can't go or if he can't be 100%, that's a huge advantage to the Bengals. From a Chiefs perspective, I thought it was encouraging to see one of the first series he had coming back in the second half. He ran for a first down. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, tells you a good amount right yeah, there. Yeah, definitely. And those ankle injuries especially, like sometimes just getting moving and getting that lactic acid not building up can be such a huge thing. When you sit out, when you sit down, that's when it really starts to hurt. You tie those laces up strong and you just got to keep playing. 1029 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. On the other side of the break, Jeff Jones of the Belleville News Democrat with a story on the Cardinal television broadcaster situation. It looks like. According to Jeff Jones, there is a front runner. We'll have that story for you. Then Jeremy Rutherford with us at 1045 on the weekend that was for the Blues and his column, which I would majorly recommend reading on theathletic.com about where the Blues are and what needs to be done is coming up at 1045 with the Rutherford Report. I'm Tim McKernan. That's Action Jackson. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hello again, everybody. Jackson, I'm sorry I was over here uh, doing show prep. I didn't catch a Knicks-Raptors score in that SportsCenter update, did I? That yeah. Been, I thought I might be. Toronto picked up the dub. Pascal Siakam. Probably should be an all-star, but the front court in the East is so loaded. Your thoughts on the front court in the East, 314-399-9646. Jeremy Rutherford will give us his thoughts coming up at 1045. Jeff Jones of the Belleville News Democrat tweeting on Saturday a story in which he says, Bally Sports Midwest is down to two finalists for the Cardinals play-by-play job, one of whom is Aaron Goldsmith. Uh, and then yesterday, Jeff uh, tweeted, Uh, Since publication of the story, sources have described Aaron Goldsmith as more of a strong frontrunner than mere finalist. Contractual and scheduling hurdles to clear. Cardinals are hopeful for an announcement by the end of the month, perhaps this week. Aaron Goldsmith, who um, is currently the voice of the Seattle Mariners Mm -hmm. and uh, has been the voice of the number two team, on Fox. Mm. 
He has ties to St. Louis. He interned at KFNS back in the day, and he turned this station. He was the one to hit the switch in 2009 when 101 ESPN on in the air. Wow. According to the great John Seymour, former TMA producer, yep. and also former 101 right, right. ESPN producer. That's incredible. How about that? That's a great story. Yeah. How about that? Love to hear it. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, Aaron Goldsmith, per Jeff Jones, the frontrunner, strong frontrunner is the exact phrasing, to replace Dan McLaughlin in the Cardinal television booth. Jackson, your reaction? I think it's, I think it's a, from what I've heard of him and uh, also his local ties, I think it's great. He's young, 39, I believe is his age, 39 years old. So, you know, it's, it's obviously going to be weird for people, the first Cardinal game they turn on this season, to not hear Dan. But I think Aaron Goldsmith, you know, give it some time, and I think he's going to fit in really well if he does, in fact, become the play-by-play guy. Uh, so Aaron uh, is not by any means official, but right. Jeff Jones right. has the uh, report that uh, he is the strong front runner to replace Dan. Uh, if you could call up a few of his calls and mm-hmm. YouTube it so people can hear his voice. Um, I know him a little bit just from when he interned and uh, really good guy. He's been on the show since and... Um, and like Jackson said, his ties to St. Louis, grew up in Kansas, eastern Kansas, went to Principia, and then uh, worked here locally, went uh, and called Gateway Grizzlies games. How about that? Tip yeah, of the cap. That's great. I mean, tip of the cap. Yep. Tip of the cap, even if you just did the Mariners job. I mean, you're living in a world-class city, growing city. Uh, but if you have the opportunity to come and call Cardinals games... You take that if it's uh, near and dear to your heart, and I would imagine the Cardinal uh, gig would would pay more. Uh, Jackson, do you have some of uh, his calls? Yeah, here's some calls from Aaron Goldsmith. High fly, left center. They're giving up on it because it's it's gone. Five head game tie, France. There it is. Uh, guys, I love the calls I've been seeing on social media from Goldsmith. Love the idea of bringing a local kid back home as well. That comes from Andrew, and he is in the 618. Yeah, I think maybe this city, more so than others, it's kind of, it's a really nice thing to be from the area, kind of have that understanding of what Cardinal baseball means to the city of St. Louis and, and the region in general. So yeah. I think that's a really big plus. I agree, but I mean, I, I, I don't, and I know you're not saying it's a prerequisite, so right, I don't want right, to put words in your not. mouth. That's uh, not the way that I would want to want to handle it. I, what I what I would say is um, I would imagine it's something that for Aaron was a dream of his, and just like probably damn near anybody who's working in broadcasting in St. Louis, yeah. if you're from here growing up, it was something that you wanted to do something that I wanted to do, so I went to the Missouri Journalism School, and the next thing I know, I'm anchoring television newscasts and going, what in the hell am I doing here? <laughs> I had no interest in this. But I'm already pot committed, so right, I right. guess I'll, you know, 
anchor sports. Um, but the, I, the, when you grind like he did and worked in Grizzlies games and right. interned at KFNS and worked as a board operator here, and, you know, 10, 15 years later, well, not even 10, 15 years later, a few years later, he's calling Mariners games. Right. And then gets an opportunity, possibly, per Jeff Jones, the Belleville News Democrat, to call Cardinals games. Jeff saying that he is the strong front runner. That's a hell of a story. Absolutely. And I think it's a, a big plus coming from Seattle. You know, not the same baseball market that St. Louis is, but they have a passionate fan base for a team that's made some really cool runs. Last season, they were a fun team to monitor. And so I think, you know, understanding that kind of energy that Cardinal fans have is really, really strong. And I, you could hear it on the broadcast. He brings that energy to try to match the fan base. And that's really important, in my opinion. Tim, you called it a few weeks ago. Goldsmith will be the guy. That's from the 636. Yeah, but I mean, for every one thing I get right, I think I get a 50 spot wrong. Right. So so I, I'm not necessarily converting much. Right, but we're not looking for 100% here, Tim. Nobody bats a 1,000. Mm. You're right about that. I am really good now that you bring it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did, I did. To be clear, it's not like somebody tipped me off. I just thought, logically, he's got ties to the area, younger guy, um, and has been calling a major league team for 10 years, right. about almost 10 years. And he was so good that Fox called him on on him to be yeah. on their second team. Yeah. That 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 was the thing that stood out to right. me. It's huge validation. Because um, that's 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 a big time thing. When he was in his early 30s, I believe is when he was doing that. That's not something that you know they just throw at somebody. So that stood out to me. And I think based on what Costas said. Uh, that this is a job not for somebody who is going to do it for a year or two, but for somebody who's going to do it for 30, 40 years, that, that that Aaron checked all those boxes. Yeah. But I also understand most St. Louisans probably weren't all that familiar with him. I mean, right. If you're watching Mariners games, you know. It's tough to be familiar with any local because, you know, we get Cardinals play with their local guys outside of a few ESPN or MLB Network games, so you get – you know, over 150 experiences with the, your same broadcast team every time. It's understandable not to be aware of every other team's broadcaster. So uh, we'll see what winds up happening here. Only 10 more days left, uh, eight more days left in the uh, month of January, if indeed the Cardinals are to announce it. Either way, they're going to be in Jupiter, Florida here. I'm sure some of them already in Jupiter, Florida. Yeah. They'll be in Jupiter, Florida here soon. So uh, we'll see how it plays out uh, with uh, Aaron Goldsmith, Jeff Jones, with the reporting on that story in the Belleville News Democrat. All right, coming up on the other side of the break, Jeremy Rutherford with his column in The Athletic will discuss what he had to say regarding it is time to start looking toward what is most likely the end of the Tarasenko, O'Reilly, and perhaps Barbashev era. We'll talk it over next. That's coming up with the Rutherford Report here on Balloon Party, driven by Manganas, St. Louis Acura, and Alden Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Welcome back. Balloon Party driven by Munganass, St. Louis Hack, your Alton Toyota here on 101 ESPN. And it is our pleasure to welcome to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line, an A-lister from my standpoint, oh, yeah. Jeremy Rutherford with us. Good morning, Jeremy. Tim Piddles, how you guys doing? Strong. <laughs> very good. We're doing very well over here, JR. Jackson gets to a uh, vacation with Lisa Ann this weekend, uh, JR. 
Am I allowed to say I'm jealous? I don't know if my wife's uh, <laughs> listening here. I think she probably listens from 7 to 10 and then again starting up at 11 o'clock. Yeah. She might podcast this one. Right. This is more of a podcast program. Uh, JR, uh, I really enjoyed the column yesterday. Now, now maybe you might be like, yeah, what was a big, why are you making such a big deal? I just thought it was, it was just, it was direct. It was a direct hit. You, you left no room for interpretation on where you were, where you thought the organization needs to be. And I'm sure plenty of people share your opinion. I've read plenty of texts here this morning that, that enjoyed the column as well. Um, but, you know, after the win against Ottawa, I realize it's Ottawa. And after the win against Thursday, which was impressive against Nashville, uh, I think some might have been going, okay, they're trending in a good direction. Let's see what's going on. And then you have that kind of a game against the, the Blackhawks, and the momentum comes to a halt. So uh, your thoughts and expound on what you wrote on The Athletic regarding the Blues and the trade deadline. Yeah, first of all, I think we always say honesty in media, right? Yes. And, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the comfort zone to write something like that. When you're a beat writer for 15 years and you're writing the facts and stating what we see on the ice, you know, it's not necessarily in your comfort zone, but at the athletic, we're allowed a little bit more of that latitude. And, and so I've become a little more comfortable doing that. And I think you have to call it as you see it. Like, we don't get paid to ride the fence. Anybody could have the cursor blinking in front of them, Tim, and say, well, I think they, you know, might do this or they could do this. But if they win three more games, they could do this, so on and so forth. You know, I went to that game the other night against Chicago, and I it felt like what we've seen in the last month or so where they start to make some traction, you start to feel good. You start to say, well, they could put themselves in contention come deadline time. And then when, what does Doug Armstrong do? And then they fall back and that's what happened. And so I asked Craig Ruby that question after the game to him. And he said, I don't know. I don't know why that keeps happening. So as I sat there with that cursor blinking, I assessed the situation. I just feel like even if you go 10 and 14 in these last 14 games before the trade deadline, you got to do what's right by the organization, and with the way this team's playing, I think it's got to be capitalizing on those assets. But the one thing I do want to be clear on is that you could get a Ryan O'Reilly extension in a week. You could get a Barbashev extension in two weeks. If those guys want to re-sign, and if they're part of it, by all means. If they're not, I think they have to be moved. Your uh, response to the Bruby quote that you cite in your column where he said, I don't know, it's obviously a huge game against Chicago. I don't know. I don't have the answer for that. I'm sorry. You wrote, it's not that Bruby doesn't have a handle on his team, though. It's not that he's not smart. If anything, he does know the answer. The Blues just aren't good enough, and he's not going to say it publicly. And I think that's where I would guess, and I don't know, you, you have much more of an interaction with your mailbag and social media, but I think that's where at least three out of four Blues fans are at this point as well, thinking that this team just isn't good enough. Is that your finger on the pulse of the uh, Blues fan community at the moment? Yeah, probably so. There were some people that said, hey, I still believe in this team and there's some winnable games coming up. And, And I get that. I get that. But I go back to the other point that I made in the column is that if you're cleaning out the lockers and and you lost right tough uh, thing to swallow considering we do a trade board every year leading into the trade deadline the athletic does and these guys right now O'Reilly uh 6 I believe Tarasenko 8 on the trade board if if Doug Armstrong is shopping these guys uh, I think there can be some interest now it's going to be tough you're talking about 7.5 million dollars for each guy. You're talking about the Blues potentially retaining salary. You're talking about Vladimir Tarasenko having a no-trade clause. There's a lot of obstacles. Are teams willing to, to pay that 
for these guys in a rental situation. So there's a lot of ifs. Uh, but I think if Doug Armstrong gets to that point, uh, that's what uh, they're going to have to do. And I heard you say it earlier. I think that Blues fans, if they're not in contention at that, that deadline, would uh, realize, too, that that's the right thing to do. Jamie Rutherford with us here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Your questions, your comments for JR are welcome. 314-399-9646. Uh, I also thought you had some telling comments from some of the players following the loss on uh, on Saturday night, and one of the guys who may be on the move was one of the more vocal ones, uh, despite the fact that he uh, had a big game, uh, and that was uh, Barbashev with his with his comments. Yeah, for sure. And, and Ivan Barbashev, I, I think the world of in terms of uh, not only his play, but every time we get a chance to talk to him in the locker room, Tim, uh, he kind of you know says it how it is. And I think in this situation, uh, he said a couple things. You know. If this team is in playoff contention and he has a Gordie Howe hat trick, you know, it maybe he, uh, somebody in the locker room plays it up, oh, yeah, he's a great player, need to have him back. Uh, but you talk to Barbashev about that Gordie Howe hat trick afterwards, and he says it, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Then you get asked about the, uh, the bad starts against these types of teams like Chicago, and he said it's the same thing against these bottom teams in the, in the league. And it happened a couple times uh, before Chicago, so it's not the first time. So I think he's a realist. You know, the one thing I'll say there is at the end, he said, we've got to be more prepared. I've seen some reaction to that saying, you know, that's an indictment on the coaching staff, Craig Bruby. Maybe that's where the issue's at. That's where the question should be directed at. Look, every time we've talked to these players, even in private, they've said uh, good things about Craig Bruby. I don't think it's it's a matter of him not having these guys prepared. I just think it's a cliche that they throw out at the end of sentences saying that we need to be better prepared for that. You know, on this radio program, uh, outside of NBA updates, one of our one of our specialties is arbitrary percentages, and therefore I'm going to uh, turn that on you and say which member of the three who are talked about the most, I know Mikel is in the UFA camp as well, but Barbashev, O'Reilly, Tarasenko, would you say is most likely to be a member of the Blues still on March 4th? If I had to guess out of that group, it, it's tough to, to go against O'Reilly just because of what he means to the organization. And, and I think that he re- would really take less to probably stick around. Um, I think that uh, Barbashev is a situation where the Blues co- covet him. They'd like to have him back. Is it going to cost too much? He can go into any negotiation, even in the free agency period, with that 60-point season under his belt. Granted, he isn't back there this year. Uh, but I, I think that's on his resume, so it could cost the Blues a pretty penny. You know, if you had to put the percentages on it, I, I would like to say Barbashev just because I think he could be part of the Blues' future. Mm-hmm. But you'd almost have to probably give the higher percentage uh, to O'Reilly. Just you, you look at that situation and you figure there's got to be some way that they could come together, even if it's a three- or four-year deal at reasonable money just because of what he means to that culture and to that locker room. So I'd probably go with O'Reilly there. I will uh, go to the Air Comfort Service text line, as I promised the people we would do, and get in as many as we can. Hey, JR, quick question. I'm curious if we could see any Blues dealt at the deadline who were unexpected. Obviously, we know O'Reilly, Tarasenko, and Barbashev are on the trading block, but do you think there could be a surprise move made? That's a real good question. I think two guys first come to mind, other two guys who are unrestricted for agents, Nicole Mikula, he's a physical defenseman we all know. If he's a guy who can't be brought back or perhaps he's not in the plans. Blues might be able to get something for him. Noel Achari is another uh, unrestricted free agent. He's uh, done very well in his one year with the Blues. I think the Blues would like to re-sign him. If they know they can't for whatever reason, they could try to move him. 
you know, the, the, the commenters probably asking about other guys who are on longer term contracts. And I think those are types of moves that are uh, summer moves. I don't see, you know, for example, a Colton Pareko, a Tory Krug, those types of guys moved at the deadline. It's not saying they can't be, uh, but those big types of moves generally aren't done at this time of year. Uh, what do you think of the um, Boudreaux situation in Vancouver? Because that certainly has gotten a hell of a lot of attention. And I'm curious, as somebody who covers the league and talks with so many people throughout the league, and maybe some of the guys in St. Louis who wouldn't necessarily put their names on it, but it's been such a hot topic over the last uh, 48 hours with the chance he received in Vancouver and then the termination yesterday and Rick Tockett replacing him. Yeah, just so unfortunate. I remember I go back a couple years with this. I was writing a blue story about what the coaches after the games to the media and I called Bruce Brujo to do a story and I said let's kind of dissect what the coach is saying here and what he actually means what can you say to the TV cameras what do you actually mean and Bruce Boudreau told me I gotta watch it here I'm still trying to get a job in the NHL <laughs> so, uh, he lands in Vancouver and you know they, they started off hot and uh, obviously he became a popular guy up there you know to answer your question I just think it's been an, an absolute mess Vancouver the Canucks organization hasn't handled it well just to let him sit there idle knowing what was going to happen and how about Bruce Brujo he says uh, I think they waited until the schedule turned into cake so that the next guy who takes over me for me will get off to a pretty good start so (laughs) what a line by Bruce there so uh, just unfortunate he's a good guy hockey lifer and uh, it didn't work out up there but uh, they probably could have cut that cord a while back Uh, let me see what we got here a bunch of texts coming in i don't understand when i hear certain blues fans say they've got some winnable games coming up well they've had a lot of winnable games and that's the issue they haven't been winning the winnable games that's from the 314 that speaks to what you wrote yesterday on the athletic jr you got these opportunities and then what barbershop talked about i know he's thinking of montreal and i'm sure he's thinking of blackhawks as well I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing. Okay, so you beat uh, Ottawa, and you didn't play great, but you can't come away with the win. And then you play what might have been your best win of the season against Nashville. If not the season, it's definitely of late. I mean, you dominate them, and then you have Chicago coming into town. That's the game that you win, and then you take your chances against Buffalo. Pretty good homestand. What is a seven-game homestand? So you're probably, uh, what, four and three, five and two, if that's the scenario, and you're feeling pretty good as you go on the road. But to stumble – uh, against Chicago, they started a guy with the first name Jackson. Like, how does the name Jackson invoke fear in anybody? Right? Wow, a damning comment. Hmm. Yeah, I'll remember that one. Wow, that sounded yeah. threatening. Man, I'm telling you. <laughs> so, no, no. I just, you know, it's going to stick with me for a little bit. Wow. Sounds like you're, there's a burr in your hey, saddle. He spells it differently, so maybe it's uh, not the same thing. We got yeah. a little J-O-J-X-S-O-N. Yeah, there. that's, that's uh, CK all day. <laughs> but it's it's just a situation where, you know, the guy, the goalie, Jackson Sauber, is making his NHL debut. Look, you don't have a book on that guy. I realize it. Uh, a lot of times these guys come into the league, adrenaline. They, they beat teams. They've seen it uh, throughout uh, time, Tim. But I think yeah, it's a situation. It uh, yeah, a lot of times. Even Cardinals going up against a no-name pitcher. Yeah. It happens all the time. But it's just a situation where the Blues had two rebound attempts, five on five all night. I had that in the story. You know, that's not a situation where you, you're not crashing the net and putting a ton of pressure on a guy making his NHL debut. Uh, the Blues didn't do that the other night, and I think they deserve to lose that. And then you find yourself in a situation where you've had another setback. So I think that's where I'm coming from in terms of uh, the tendency with the Blues and, and those types of games. It's a great column online at theathletic.com. Jeremy Rutherford every Monday here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. JR, thank you so much, sir. We appreciate the time. 
Yep, thank you, boys. Jackson, CK, all the way. All right, we'll talk to you later. Jackson, Thanks, CK, all the way. Time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrario are up next for Action Jackson with a CK. I'm Tim McKernan. Also, I've got a CK in there. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fun. That's really fun. We'll spend an hour on that tomorrow. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.